This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. You know, of all the things that I've done around the world for the last 25, almost 30 years, of all the things that I do, all the workshops that I run, all the seminars, all the opportunities that I get to consult with some of the great teams, coaches and athletes around the world, the one thing that I love to do is educate sporting parents. Now, sporting parents are those parents whose kids are playing sport of any kind, anywhere, of any level. Now, that could be a child who's doing a learn-to-swim program or trying out for their local football team at six years of age. It could be parents of kids who are playing school sport. It could be parents of kids who have got greater ambitions and have aspirations for Olympic success or to play professional sport. If your kids are playing sport of any kind, at any level, anywhere in the world, then this Sports Thoughts is about you and for you to help you be that sporting parent that you want to be. First and foremost, I've got to say up front, I am a father of four wonderful children. I have a 20-year-old daughter, a 17-year-old son, a 13-year-old son, and a wonderfully brilliant, sometimes annoying, nine-year-old son. And I love them very much. And at the heart of all parenting, I believe, is love. And I think sporting parents have got a pretty bad rap over the years because there are some parents, and we all know them, the crazies that are on the sideline yelling out all sorts of weird and strange advice and the parents who are buying special protein powders and sports drinks and sending their kids to elite junior sports academies at age seven. Sure, there's a lot of parents around that see sport as an opportunity maybe to relive their own sporting career or they may be using their child's sporting prowess as an avenue to some other part of their life that's lacking. But they're in the minority. There's very, very few of them. I believe the majority of sporting parents are motivated by one thing and one thing only, love of their children. They may do some dumb stuff, they may say and do some crazy things, but at the heart of it, the vast majority of sporting parents are good people who love their children, who want nothing but the best for them, but they just don't get what their role actually is. They don't understand sport. So the purpose of this sports thoughts is totally and wholly focused on sports parents, sporting parents, sports parenting, whichever way you want to refer to it. It's all about helping parents of kids who play sport to be the parent that they want to be so they can in turn help their child to realise the potential in and out of the water, on and off the court, on and off the field to help them not just be great sports people if that's what they choose, but to be wonderful human beings. Now in the dim dark old days, coaches used to look at parents purely as someone who would drop off the kids and go away. And there's a lot of those parents still around, the drop and go parents. What we try to say to parents now and to coaches of course, is that parents are partners in the potential and performance of their children. Parents 
are important partners. Now, just imagine if you created a partnership in your business, you might be running a car yard, you might be saying, all right, well, I want to be someone who sells quality automobiles. I'm going to put together a partnership of good people to do that. So you'd need someone who can run the mechanical area to make sure the cars that you're selling are running really well. You'd want to have someone who's great at sales, who can connect the right car with the right people. You'd want to have people involved in cleaning and maintenance so the cars look fantastic. And each one of those people, the mechanic, the salesperson, and the maintenance staff, cleaning staff, would all understand what their role is in the partnership. Now, the partnership in sport, which is so critically important in junior sport, is a partnership between the coach, the athlete, and the parents. And just like our car yard, each of those people need to be doing their role to the best of their ability. So let's start with coaches. What's the job of a coach? Coaches to connect. My definition of coaching is the art of inspiring change through emotional connection. Coaching is change. You go to a finance coach to change your finance, you go to a French coach to improve your French, you go to a swimming coach to improve your swimming, you go to a football coach to change something about what's happening in your life, to help somebody, get somebody to help you change a physical, mental, technical, tactical element of sport. That's what it is. Coaching is change. Coaching is the art of change. Coaching is change. And coaches are responsible in our partnership, coaches, athletes, parents. Coaches are responsible for physical development, for technical development, for imparting strategic knowledge, for some element of psychological development, but I'll talk a lot more about that later. But that's what coaches do. Coaches are trained to, they learn how to, apply those skills and those capabilities to their role in that partnership of coaches, athletes, and parents. What is the role of an athlete? Well, quite simply, the job of an athlete is to do the best that they can, whatever that happens to be at that moment in time. The line that I often say to parents and coaches is this, sometimes their best can't be their best. And what I mean by that is, If you're working with kids in their mid-teens who are growing, who may be not sleeping, who are stressing about school, who have other commitments maybe in music and sport and other areas of their life, they may come to your training session and not be able to perform at their absolute all-time personal best because they're tired or fatigued or stressed or other things are going on. And as we work holistically with athletes and as we work with them, not just as footballers or swimmers or tennis players or basketballers, as we work with them holistically, it's important that remember remember what's going on throughout their life, not what's just going on with one specific element of their life in their sporting life. What we expect from athletes is they come along to training and they do the best that they're capable of doing at that moment in time. We also ask that athletes progressively learn independence and learn responsibility and accept accountability for things they do and don't do, say and don't say, and I'll talk more about that specifically in just a moment. But the bottom line is, two of our partners know exactly what it is they're supposed to do. Coaches, physical development, technical development, strategic development, they do those things. Athletes do the best that they can do, whatever that is at that moment in time, that's all we can ask of them. The group that's got potentially the greatest impact in the partnership, the group of people that could have the biggest potential impact on all of it are parents. 
Parents have the single most important role in the life of an athlete, which is to provide unconditional love. If your child goes to bed every night knowing with absolute certainty that they are loved, they are valued, and they are accepted for no reason other than they are your child, not for what they do, but for who they are as a human being. If they can close their eyes every night and drift off to sleep knowing that they're loved, they're valued, and accepted for no reason other than they are who they are, you've done a wonderful job. Parents can teach values. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with professional teams where they ask me to come in and help the team build a values-based culture or talk about values and the importance of values in sport. It's so common. But in my belief, it's very important that values, core values like honesty, integrity, humility, respect, personal discipline, all those things are in place with the athlete before they're about 10 years of age and up until that moment in time. The people, the one person, the people who are most responsible for developing those qualities, those capabilities and those characteristics in their kids is mum and dad, parents. Everything I know, everything I've read, all the research that I've been exposed to, all the professionals I get to speak to in the mental health area tells me that who the child is and that sense of values, of honesty, integrity, humility, courage, discipline, all those things are all in place by about age 10. So the role of parents in developing those qualities can never be underestimated. It's so critically important. Parents also teach things like responsibility and independence. There's a story I like to tell, particularly to rowing coaches, swimming coaches, coaches, uh, parents of kids who are doing morning workouts. So kids were getting up early to go to training, gymnastics, diving, swimming, athletics sometimes, many of the Olympic sports training early in the morning. And I often say to parents, if you're getting up in the morning and the alarm is waking you up as a parent and you are making your child's breakfast and you are packing your child's bag and you are carrying their bag to the car. If you are doing all those things so they have no responsibility for their commitment to their sport, you're doing the wrong thing. What I encourage parents to do conversely is this, teach the kids to pack their bag the night before. Teach the kids how to set their own alarm and to wake up to their own alarm. Teach the kids how to get up and make their own breakfast. Put on some hot chocolate, piece of toast, have a piece of fruit, maybe with some cereal. Teach the kids how important it is for them to come and then say to mum or dad, hey mum or dad, would you please drive me to work out or will you take me to training? So they've accepted responsibility for some of those core, simple, basic behaviours that are critically important in them having ownership over their own sports preparation, practice, and eventually performance. Too many parents believe that by doing all those little things, by cleaning the kids' sports equipment and packing their lunch and packing their bag and doing all those little fussy things, they're helping their kids and they're not. By doing all those little things that your kids can do and should be doing by age 10 or 11, 
by doing those, you are achieving the exact opposite of what we're hoping to achieve, which is by their mid-teens to have children who love their sport, who are responsible for everything about it, on and off the court, on and off the field, who are accountable for the things they do and don't do, and they've learnt that from a young age from mum and dad. Mums and dads will often ask me, when should we start teaching all this accountability stuff? When should we start teaching all this responsibility and behaviour stuff? And I say, there is no reason why a three or four year old child can't pick up a towel and put it in a clothes hamper. There's no reason why a five or six year old child can't help to clear the dishes after dinner and put those things in the washing up. There's no reason why 14, 15 year old kids can't learn how to cook four or five basic meals and even cook for the family once a week. All those things are important life skills that can help your child feel that they're developing a broad range of capabilities, they're building on confidence, and they're starting to take responsibility for their own lives. Because ultimately, if your kids make a decision that they want to be exceptional, if they decide that they want to go to the Olympic Games to be professionals, to play at a high level, their core values and their core beliefs their competencies in basic life skills will make a significant difference to their ability to perform at that level. As a senior coach, when I work with elite level athletes, what we're looking for are kids who are independent, kids who are self-driven, kids who are responsible, kids who accept accountability. They're the qualities that we look for in kids when they're coming through. One of the biggest mistakes parents make and parents all over the world in all sports make the same mistake, is they believe that their child's talent, their obvious physical talent, is all that really matters. And if they can see their child winning all the tennis matches at eight years of age or scoring a lot of goals or kicking a lot of goals at seven or eight years of age, then that's one small, simple step away from the Olympic Games or from professional sport. The messages I've got for parents who believe that is this, physical talent is unbelievably overrated. Physical talent is incredibly overrated. And in fact, early physical talent, so kids who are showing talent before the age of 10, is a terrible indicator of their potential for long-term success. Secondly, it's harder to hide physical talent than it is to find it. It's no big deal that your kids can quite obviously run faster or are taller or stronger or more agile than everybody else. When we can see things like that, we think, well, that's obviously all that it takes to be successful because it's right in front of us and it's obvious. I go so far now to tell parents that if your child is a precocious talent, so they're 10 years of age and under, and they're highly successful, they're being selected in junior representative teams or they're, they're scoring more home runs than anybody else in the competition by a long way, I almost feel sorry for that parent. I almost feel genuinely sorry for that parent because everything I've seen and everything I know and everything I believe says that those early precocious talents rarely make it to the top in spite of the expectation. So parents' role in teaching values, virtues, helping to develop character, helping to teach independence, responsibility, encourage accountability is incredibly important. But there's also some more practical things. 
For example, we know the research is very, very clear that kids are just not sleeping enough. And some of that sleep is connected to stress in life and high expectations around sport, academic success and so on. But much of it is connected to the use of electronic devices, phones, Xbox, PS4, laptop, iPads, all those devices. A lot of it is connected to the reason why they're not sleeping in terms of not getting enough sleep or the quality of their sleep is not what it could be, is due to their incessant use of electronic devices. There's been some very, very good research that's come out from several highly regarded researchers around the world talking about the need for kids to turn off all electronic devices unless those devices are helping them get to sleep. So they're listening to a meditation tape or they're listening to calm music over ocean sounds, that type of thing. If they're not using the device to directly help them to get to sleep, they need to be turning off their electronic devices, ideally one hour before their scheduled sleeping time, but in practical terms, at least half an hour before their scheduled sleeping time. Now, the research is there, and parents know their kids are always tired and they're not sleeping. When I present this information to parents, I go, wow, that's great, that's really exciting, I love the research, yes, I understand it. But then parenting has to be connected with the research and helping their kids to be all they can be like this because the majority of parents will allow their kids to use their electronics in their own bedrooms. And 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30 in the evening, parents walk into that bedroom and say to their little boy, their little girl, it's time to turn off your electronics. What I hear from parents all over the world is that's usually a moment of crisis, a moment of stress, a moment of conflict, and quite often argument where the child says, I just need to do another five minutes, I just need to do this, I have to do this, and they want more and more time because we know that the nature of the way many kids are using their electronic devices is very similar to a form of addiction. And like any addict, if you take the drug off them, they're gonna resent that, they don't like that, and they're gonna push back against it. And I often say to parents, if you want your kids to have more sleep, to have better quality sleep, you need to keep their electronics out of their bedroom, to not allow them to charge their electronics in the bedroom and to have some clear cutoff times. Now that's easy to say. Even with the understanding of being a father of four myself, I know how tough that can be. So that research in the, about the technology says, turn it off. We know that it's important they get more sleep, but it still comes down to parenting and to parents saying, to the kids, you need to turn it off and taking action and, and hard action, meaning taking the equipment off them if necessary to ensure that the child gets good quality sleep. Of course, what we would like to see by the time athletes are in their mid-teens is that they're going to accept the responsibility and will accept full responsibility themselves for turning off all electronics at least 30 minutes and ideally longer before their scheduled sleeping time because they know and they believe it will help them with their sleep. So parents, your role in helping your child to be all they can be is so critically important. I often say to parents, if you're in any doubt about what you really want for your child and for your relationship with your child, 
is I want you to do this. Close your eyes. Take a few very deep breaths where every time you exhale, try to feel a little bit more relaxed with each exhale. So three or four seconds to breathe in, three or four seconds to relax and just breathe out comfortably all the way, and three or four seconds just to feel like you're sinking or floating or dropping deeper and deeper in a more relaxed state. Three or four nice, easy, long, relaxed breaths. And I want you to imagine that you're walking down the street 20 years from today. You're walking down the street and it's 20 years from today. And coming in the opposite direction is your child. So your child as they are 20 years from now. So if your child's 15 now, there's your 35-year-old son or daughter walking in the opposite direction towards you 20 years from today. Tell me what you want to see. Now, when I've done that exercise with parent groups delivering parent seminars all over the world, inevitably the first thing they say is a big smile. They want to see them happy. Parents will also tell me, I wanted to see them healthy. Some parents will say, I wanted them to look at me with the same love that I feel for them. Many parents will tell me when we do that visualization future exercise, many parents will say, and I saw them with a little boy, a little girl on either hand, my grandchildren also looking at me with happiness and love. In the end, sporting parents are driven and motivated by love regardless of some of the crazy things they say and do. Ultimately, it's not about making it to the English Premier League or the NFL or Major League Baseball or playing AFL in Australia or playing rugby internationally. Ultimately, being a sporting parent means providing a safe, loving, accepting environment where your kid can grow up believing with absolute confidence that they're loved, valued and accepted for no reason other than they are who they are, that they're comfortable with who they are because you've showed them, you've taught them, you've said to them, you've helped them to experience that just being themselves is enough. Whether they score the winning try or whether they allow the winning try to be scored against them, whether they kick a goal from halfway or whether they make a mistake, and lose the grand final because they allow goal in. None of those things really matter to a parent of a kid playing sport. I often say to parents, one of the hardest things for you to develop over the years is this, to treat winning and losing exactly the same. If your child wins an important swimming race or running race or they do something remarkable on the sporting pitch, when they come back, give them a hug, give them a kiss, look them in the eyes and say, I love you, and buy them an ice cream and laugh and celebrate all the way home. If your child loses, if they do something that isn't wonderful in the sporting field, when they come back, give them a hug, give them a kiss, look into their eyes, tell them you love them, buy them an ice cream and laugh and have joy all the way home as much as you possibly can. To a parent, winning and losing is irrelevant. Sure, it matters to the child. Sure, it might matter to the coach and to the fans and people watching. But to us, to parents, winning and losing does not matter because our job is not to be the adjudicator of winning or losing. Our job is not to be the judge of skill and technique. Our job is not to coach our kids. Our job is to love them, 
unconditionally, to value them for who they are, to accept them for who they are, to teach them values, virtues, to build their character, to teach them responsibility, to encourage them to be independent. Our job is the most important job that anyone can play in their life and we need to do it well consistently and in that environment, winning and losing to us makes no difference because it doesn't matter if they succeed or fail, we will love them, value and accept them unconditionally regardless of sporting outcome. And if you get to the end of your child's sporting career, be that 10 years of age when they decide to retire or be that 40 after a long-term successful career in professional sport, whenever they walk away, if you can look at them and go, wow, I did a wonderful job as a sporting parent because my child loves themselves. My child is comfortable with who they are. My child knows with absolute certainty how I feel about them. You've done all anyone can ever expect you to do. Sporting parenting is just as simple as that. You know what to do as a parent. If you're having a bad day, if you feel a need to yell out from the sideline, if you feel a desperate need to write a rude email to a coach about a selection policy, if you feel the need to be one of those crazy parents, stop. Take those three breaths and once again, visualise that child, that child 20 years from now, walking down the road towards you. Remember that face, remember the smile, remember the health, remember the well-being. remember the love that you want them to have for you 20 years from now. And that one image will help you to be the wonderful sporting parent that I know you want to be. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.